I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. This is a first for me here at Convo by Design. I am producing three episodes in one week to showcase a design tour in Pasadena on uh, on one day only, October 7th, 2018. Since the purpose of Convo by Design is to share, inspire, educate, and motivate the, the design and architecture communities, in particular, and all creative thinkers and doers in general, this seemed like a good idea and a good time to do this. The ASID Pasadena chapter is offering a really unique event. This is a semi-guided tour of three simply amazing homes that will give design enthusiasts a truly unique glimpse into Pasadena's rich and diverse design and architecture. This one-day event will feature tours of three remarkable homes, a pop-up, food trucks, and more. It's pretty cool. The event is October 7th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Pasadena, and you can find all the details on the ASID Pasadena Chapter website. Now, if you download episodes after the 7th, you can hear the tour of the homes. This was really fun to do, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You can hear all about them here, and you can find much in the way of video on our YouTube channel. So we've got you covered. The three designers you are going to hear from include Christine Santana of Santana Interiors, her Las Vegas-inspired traditional, uh, you heard me right, will, if you're like me, make you long for the Rat Pack days on the Strip. It's just fun uh, and glitzy and traditional. I don't know how, to, how else to explain it. I'll let her do it. Uh, Jennifer Bevan Montoya of Jennifer Bevan Interiors offers up her own home, a Paul Williams update. And what an update it is. You'll also hear from Rosalind Woods of Rosalind Woods Interior Design and a soft modern ranch with a woodsy open floor plan and a treehouse master suite that you will crush on big time. All three designers are featured in their own episodes, so you can spend time with each one in each home. And I really hope you enjoy the tour. I also hope you like this episode. If you do, Please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can also find us on most social media, but what I think you'll like best is the Convo by Design YouTube channel where you can find short videos from each of these podcast episodes. This is Jennifer Bevan Montoya of Jennifer Bevan Interiors. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond and has been since episode number one. Snyder Diamond is always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. That's the philosophy of second generation president Russ Diamond. He travels the world looking for the appliances, fixtures, and finishes for the kitchen and bath that allow designers and architects to create amazing spaces for their clients. Products like those from Mila. I recently toured the Mila showroom and was stunned really by all of the amazing products that Mila has to offer. From coffee machines, to ovens, ranges, hoods, Combus steam ovens, washers, dryers, dishwashers, all made with that Immer Besser philosophy hard-coded into the very DNA of this family-owned and operated company since their founding in 1899. Mila products are made to serve and built to last. They possess the form and function you expect, and they were created with the future in mind. The technology integrated into these appliances remarkable, and they were designed to work seamlessly together, all to make life that much easier. Now, combine this world-class product with the standard bearer 
in customer service, Snyder Diamond Service is here for you, and you have a powerful partnership. Find out more at any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond showrooms and check out some fantastic limited-time offers and promotions from Mila while you're there. You can also learn more at SnyderDiamond.com. We're in Pasadena. We're continuing on our tour. Do you have a territory that you like to stay within? Not exactly. Our territory has taken us to Dubai, to Singapore, to Montecito, to Palm Springs, and anywhere in Southern California. So we cover a lot of territory. Yeah, you do. And it's interesting. I asked the question because, you know, sometimes you have designers who love to work globally. You have others who really like to sort of pick a pocket and stay there. And so I think it's interesting. So you work all over the place. We do. We work all over the place. And our work that takes us all over the place is being associated with major architects who I've aligned myself with, for example, Richard Landry and Richard Mannion, two very prominent architects who have been my friends for many, many years and has taken us to all ends of the earth. And where are we today? Today we are here in this gem of Pasadena and at this wonderful Paul Williams house that is my personal home. My husband, who is a general contractor, and I, of course, an interior designer, were attracted to this house, particularly because it is a Paul Williams home, built in 1925, Monterey Revival style, one of his early pieces of architecture, and we were attracted to not only him as a famous architect, who we both admire very much, but the bucolic setting of this beautiful home, surrounded by oak trees, Every window from the home looks out to a tree, and we feel like we're living in a park. This setting really is exquisite. It's amazing. Uh, what was it like when you walked through the house? What was the state of the, ho- of the home when, when you first saw it? It was amazingly horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was disastrous. It had not been touched in probably over 30 years. Rooms need to be redone, surfaces needed to be repainted, things were in disrepair. I think the moment we closed escrow on the house, the paint fell off the front of the house just like something out of a Charlie Brown cartoon. (laughs) And it was something that needed a lot of care and a lot of love. Okay, but tell me that you and your husband weren't jumping for joy when you found this this home in that kind of disrepair because it means, listen, you might get, you might get a deal on it. You might get it because you're a designer. He's a, he's a contractor. You were, you were going to make changes anyway. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was what totally attracted us to the house that just perked both of our, our instincts together. And we just sat upstairs for like two hours in the house, redoing the floor plan immediately as people were walking in and walking out. So that is what mostly attracted us to the house, that we could redo this with our skills and make it happen and make it into something new and fresh and of today. And what was the first thing you did? What was, your, what, was the, what was the plan? Well, the plan was to revive a Paul Williams home, still keep the integrity of the architecture, but really take out everything, re-edit and remove what had been done to in, redo what had been done many decades that had to be improved and changed and brought alive again. 
and really complement the architecture of Paul Williams. So was it, it's interesting to me because as a creative, you want to, and as a designer, you want to respect the architect and the work that he did. At the same time, you want to put your stamp on it and you want to make it unique to you and showcase your work. How do you balance that? Oh, absolutely. That is most important is to me to have the design show through of what we want it to look like. I wanted to have it lighter, more fresh, more open, and more new. So that is a challenge combining original architecture with what is trending today or what we have the feel for today that will bring us to the next decade. And that's what's important. And that is a challenge, trying to work it out and complement everything. We found layers and layers of floors that had to be removed. We found all kinds of things that proved to be a challenge during the remodel, revealing things that were decades covered up that we had to decide whether we want to enhance that or whether we want to bring the surfaces more clean and, and more today. Were there any choices that you had to make that you look back now that still represented really difficult design or, or build choices? There were several choices that we had to make, um, like I was saying, removing layers. We, at some period, they put another tile floor over the entry, the dining room, the family room. We started peeling off those layers. We found another wood floor. We found a plywood floor, and we found an original terracotta floor that was original with the house. It had been so damaged that we could not save it, so we had to make decisions how are we going to treat this? Do we try and revive this floor? But then we were achieving, there was different levels that had to be worked out. So we had to really think through the challenges we wanted to do. So we ended up putting a limestone floor, which was part of my vision to make the house lighter and fresher over the old original tile. But then we had to level out the other floors with, with wood and new wood and refinishing the old wood. So that was many challenges to make that work. I bet that was. So they put the sub, they put a new sub over the original terracotta. We had to do that. Yes. No, 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 the original. Oh, the, so that's what you found. Yes, we found the original. Yes, they put a, a new floor, a subfloor and a new floor over the original terracotta floor which that's those wonderful surprises you get from decades and decades of different people thinking they're doing the right thing to a home. Were there any happy surprises? The, well, the happy surprise was that we did find some wood floor underneath that, which was good, which we were shocked, which was great to refurbish because it was the original rift oak floor original from the house. So that was a pleasant surprise. Okay, that's cool. Okay, good. So there were some happy, happy surprises there. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, we're going to go walk the house. How long, how long did the process take? The process took us probably 18 months. Okay. Uh, just dealing with the city, with permits, with um, just problems that beset us along the way. For example, we really had to, we have three fireplaces in this home. We had to take down the living room fireplace completely and have it rebuilt by an original person that knows how to rebuild original fireplaces. So that took, I think that took him six months to do. So those, those things, we just had to be patient and keep working towards our major goal. 
the city of Pasadena is, I, I would say, forward-thinking when it comes to architecture and restoration. At the same time, they don't always make things easy. That is true. And it's interesting because on the one hand, you like that because you want, you want architecturally significant properties saved and restored. That's correct. The other side of that is, do you have to make it so difficult for us to do what we want to do here? How is, on a scale of you know, 1 to 10, how was the process for you? And because you're a designer, did that make things any easier? The process, 10 being the worst process oh, good. ever, yeah, 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 it was yeah. a 10 working with the city. Oh, was it? But I have to say okay. Pasadena does it for a reason. Yeah. And it just was a lot of difficult processes to go through, but we made it through. Congratulations. Uh, let's, go, let's go look at what you guys did. Okay. Sounds great. What, what room is this? What are we calling this? Uh, we call this our media family room. Okay. And this is just off of the outside patio. And the, the thing that's interesting about this home is how many levels are there? There's three levels. There's three levels. And each one is really independent in, in Williams, Paul, Paul Williams. Williams' traditional style. Of, of architecture, each, each level is, is very unique and independent to itself. That's correct. So how do you use this level? Because I noticed you've got your media room, you've got an office. How do you use this level? We use this level for family comfort. We love to come down here and watch TV and have popcorn and just enjoy um, entertaining friends and family. And especially since it's open to the outside, it's just totally walk out. So that is great to just enjoy the outside area. Every window is beautiful vista to the outside. And my husband's office, which is also could be used as a third bedroom, and he just enjoys that space too. And with the limestone floor and the freshness, it just feels very alive. And what you, with all of the different hard surfaces, this being the bottom floor, it is very cool. It is. It's cool as far as being very cool. And it's also cool as being very, um, you know, not hot. Not hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it keeps its temperature cool and it's a wonderful space to be in in the warm summer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would imagine. Um, the, the beams, were the beams original? The beams were original. We did drywall between them to accomplish uh, putting in recessed lights, recessed LED lights. And it, you know, it helped to bring the room a little bit more cozy. And it was just an ugly surface up there that needed to be covered up. And it was cleaner to drywall it and have a nice beam effect. So here's what's interesting. So you, this is one of those choices that you definitely had to make. Um, with the drop, how, the drop is probably six, nine inches somewhere. We just, uh, we just dropped enough to allow us to install the recessed lighting. Okay. And we also put soundproofing in it too. So that we wouldn't, uh, one day when we were demoed, I heard my husband walking upstairs and I, from, I was down here, he was up there and went, oh my goodness. And with a television down here. So we put two inches of soundproofing and six inches for the lights. And that really helped keep this room quiet and keep the upstairs quiet also. So that's one of the things, you know, there are some tips, trip, tricks, hacks, um, that designers and architects can offer. I would say that one regarding noise abatement is, is probably one of the best that you can do. And here, here's how I see it, right? First of all, makes a massive difference. 
the difference, the, it is, it's effective, it's inexpensive, it's demonstrable. I mean, yes. and that, isn't that the best thing in the I world? I think that was the best thing we did in this house. Yeah. Uh, just every other wall in this house is like 12 inches thick. This was the only one that was not. The ceiling, you could really hear every footstep upstairs, and it was the best thing we could have done to the house. So what you sacrificed in a couple inches of, of ceiling. Of space, of yes. Sp- dead, yes. dead space, actually. Dead, dead just, space. J- just ceiling. Um, you got in noise abatement and in and extra lighting. lighting. And the lighting is so important down here. It's just we can have different levels of lighting. I love different levels of lamp lighting. And so that was important to, you know, it is a dark room, but yet with the with the lights and all the French doors that open out it really makes it very special. And speaking of which, some, some of the things that you've done, the lighting in this house, because it is a, it is a dark, a naturally dark space. Right. Uh, especially down here. When we get upstairs, you'll see the windows just to open everything up. Your tips for lighting. What are some of your favorite I think lighting tips? is the most important thing in a house. Most people want to cut that out first thing, but I insist on good lighting. A combination of recess lights, sconces, lamp lighting, extremely important to, to the effect of a house in the, in the long term. And with all the new LEDs that are out, it, the lighting is just amazing. But that is one of the most important things in um, construction and architecture. Great. Let's go see what's next. Got it. So we're upstairs now. Um, den? Family, Family room? room? Family room? Yes. Okay. Um, I love the openness of this space. It's not a large space footprint wise, but everything about this room was just aligned amazingly well from the window to the fireplace, to the, to the, to the space as you use it. How do you use, how do you use this space? We use the space for sitting with friends, watching some TV, um, just sitting and reading. And it's, it's close to the kitchen, which is great. So it's a wonderful usable space. This room was added on or enclosed in 1952 when I read the history of the house. The, the, the metal windows are original with the period of 1952, which I totally kept because I think they're fascinating and I love the architecture of them. It may not have been originally planned with Paul Williams, but I think they're an important piece of current architecture and traditional architecture. The room is nicely proportioned, as all rooms in this house are. The proportions, I think, that were achieved originally were fantastic. And the fireplace had was original also. We decided to use some updated materials on the fireplace to bring it into a little bit of today. Also, a Paul Williams home. The, this home did not have any crown molding. And I did not use crown molding because I felt it was original to just respect the integrity that he had established in the house with beams and different types of ceilings, archways. But I did add the drywall step up in the ceiling just to give it a little effect. And I think that's something that he may have thought to do too at that time. Yeah, I like that very much. I like that very much because you know what? It's it's not a, a large step up, but it, right. it's enough to actually raise the ceiling. Right from from the from the eye, you know, it brings a, it brings exactly. The eye up. You feel like it gives some height, and it just gives a little bit of shadow, and that shadow just really gives a, a very nice, clean architectural feeling. Now you kept the original windows in in the house. Yes, and I love that because you can see the wave in the glass. 
Exactly. You it's, can. You can look out many of them, and they're just a little wavy, and you just can't quite tell some of them that what you're looking at, but not, I think that's special. It's very special. Now, here's the question. At some point, from an efficiency standpoint, heating and cooling, that becomes an issue. Now, you don't have to worry, uh, in this area, you don't have to worry about noise. That's not Correct. a major yes. issue. That's not an issue. It's very quiet. Yeah, but the the heating, cooling, does that cross your mind? Is that a thing? Or is that one of those sacrifices that you make? I think it's one of the sacrifices you do have to make. And my husband and I understood that. And we were respecting of the windows. And we, yes, it, we could have changed them all to be double-paned and, you know, a lot more efficient. But we just felt that we could live with it that we respected more his original intent with the architecture, the wavy glass, the way the mullions are created. They're smaller than what is produced today, more refined. We felt it was, it was okay. We don't mind being not running the air conditioning all the time. <laughs> um, just, of course, it's just, it is a sacrifice, but we respected the integrity of it. Um, who, who makes the tile? The tile on the fireplace is made by Forms and Surfaces in Santa Ana, and it's just, uh, I love the dimension and the reticulation I that do too. it provides. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's great. Nicely done in here. Thank you. The kitchen. This is one of those areas where you may have an original Paul Williams home, but there's nothing really that you're going to do that's original. It can be inspired by, right? Correct. It, okay. can, it can be inspired, but I really feel that a kitchen needs to be of today. I think it needs to have updated appliances, updated cabinetry. I did not use raised panel cabinet doors. I used flat panel cabinet doors, which would probably be more consistent with a 1925 era. But the hardware is updated. The stones are updated. The edge detail. I think that's important to bring it into today's lifestyle. Now, I notice on the knobs and pulls, we've got, a, we've got a brass. Yes. And then on some of the other, we've got stainless, we've got chrome. And we have black iron. And we have black iron and on I the lighting. And I combined all those metals together. You really did. And you did yes. so absolutely fearlessly. Yes. I, and I think that's important. So many people ask me, well, if we have this finish, can I combine a brush nickel with a brass? And they, they think it can't be done, but we believe our philosophy in our company is, is the right combination of, of details like that and of finishes is extremely important, and that's what makes it look very custom. And it does. And we'll, just going back a second, because you, you, you said it very quickly, because obviously you're comfortable with it, but just to say it again, you know, the concept of, of mixing finishes isn't isn't there's nothing inherently wrong with that no it's just people are scared to do it well just they, they have a fear of mixing something they they, they think everything needs to match everything needs to and be matchy think, matchy exactly and i yeah. think it's important in design not to match okay so here's the trick question where's the line ah only designers <laughs> know that line <laughs> so it's true that's why we are the professionals <laughs> it's true um and I've I've seen it go horribly wrong. Yes. And I I don't think there's I don't think there's a proper formula for that. I think the best thing that like you said, you know, it's a, you you can you can do it. It just has to it just has to work together. You, you just you, have to know when to stop and when to edit 
and when to make it just right. Are there any strategies that you can, not not like it's a secret, but is there anything, you know it when you see it. Like a formula, you mean? Yeah. There, there, designers have no formulas. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you have any formula that you look look at? And you know, this is the broader question. I love I love asking creatives this question is like how do you know when you're done? That's a hard one. And I think it's just instinctual, you know, and it's just you know when to stop or sometimes you just come back and look at it and you say, "You know what? We need one more thing over there or we need one more piece to just finish off the room and refine it." And I think it's just something that's in our minds and in our hearts. I don't think there's really a formula or a strategy. I think it's just all visual. Now, I can ask you because you're not only the designer, but you're also the homeowner. How do you use the kitchen? Are you a cook? Um, no. <laughs> just a very slight cook. But my son is a cook and he loves to cook in this kitchen. He will come and just cook up a storm. Tell me why you made the choices that you did and how you approached the design of the space with regard to where you placed everything and where you placed it in relation to how you use it. I think it was more about balance for me. Okay. And the kitchen is not large, but I felt it needed a really nice range. And uh, the range was originally in the middle of the kitchen. There was a cooktop. We totally got the space down to the studs and rearranged by moving the range over, opening up the island, and uh, moving the refrigerator over, and just creating more balance, uh, giving us more balance on either side of the sink, and creating a light space. We wanted to emphasize light, because this house has a lot of windows and a lot of light coming in. What did you have to sacrifice to get the additional storage, if anything? Was it just space? Just space. Okay. Yes. And we wanted a breakfast area, and I also chose not to have another counter built in, but rather an antique piece of furniture with the antique mirror complementing the new cabinets and throwing in a vintage piece into the room. And that gave storage and also lightened up the space with not having heavy cabinets to the floor. And the kitchen goes out to the dining. Do you use the dining or do you use the kitchen? We use the dining room a lot when we're do entertaining you? and having family over. And, and the kitchen and the outdoor space, too, the outdoor dining space, we use them all. You really have a lot of options. We do. Because it's interesting. I was noticing as big as the kitchen island is, it's not, a, it's not an eat-at island. No, it's not. It's just basically a stand-up island. We do hang around the island a lot. And we also use the eating spaces a lot. Yeah. And just just love that you, you notice also that I, the island is a little larger and I did not use the consistent space on either side that is, that you're supposed to use. I made it a little smaller because I just wanted to emphasize island cabinets, space around it and some place to have storage and make it all work for us. And the one thing that I noticed that you also did is you strategically placed uh, electrical outlets where you felt like you'd really need them. Correct. Because today we got to have them. And that's also part of code too. Well, so let me ask you that. Yeah, it's part of code, but I would also assume, maybe I'm wrong, that because we're so tech savvy now, 
the kitchen's where everybody puts their devices. Yes. It's where everybody plugs in. You got the, all the cords and all the wires and, and all the chargers and all the things that have to be. Lots of times I put plugs in drawers and uh, so you can hide your chargers and putting multiple plugs in in particular areas that are needed, but also try and hide them a little bit too, because they are annoying in the middle of the backsplash. And yeah, yeah. So, did did the need for more charger outlets, or just outlets in general, and where you want them, where you use them, as opposed to where code says you have to have them, did that conflict at all? It did not conflict. And a lot of times, I will put add plugs in strategic areas that I know that I'll need it for a particular lamp or lights at Christmas time, and I will plan outlets in strange places because I know at one point I'm gonna have a little table and a lamp there. And the electricians look at me like, why do you want one there? I said, well, I know it, I know it's gonna work out in the end. Just, just trust me. <laughs> I love it, this is great. This is a beautiful kitchen. The last thing I will say about the kitchen though is I absolutely love the, the fact that everything is light and bright and then you get to the super dark floor. I love that. I love that sense of contrast. I think that helps everything pop and it makes all the lightness just even more bright and light. Yeah, it really does. And it's super dramatic and it's gorgeous. Thank you. Nicely done. Thank you so much. Like a tree house. It is like a tree house. And this is, this is my favorite room in your home. And, Thank you. And I will tell you why. So first of all, again, we've got the... Paul Williams touches in this home, the beams, the ceiling in general, the wood floors, the, the, now the windows, I don't know if they're original. Are these original windows? This also was added on it in was. 1952 along with the family room. So these metal windows were installed at that time and I kept them because I think this space is just amazing. You're looking out at the oak trees and you really do feel like it's in a treehouse. Yeah, they did a beautiful job. I mean, you did a beautiful job designing it, but I'm also going to assume that the bones were there from the addition. I took the elements that were there from that addition and just enhanced it. Yeah. Just made the space a sitting area. I put a day bed in the space and it's just so wonderful to sit there and have a cup of coffee and look out to the beautiful trees and hear the birds and it's really special. It's it's absolutely wonderful. So I'm trying to imagine what this original space was where that I guess we can call it a, a sunroom, sitting porch. I call it now a sunroom, okay. but I have a feeling in 1925 that it was originally a balcony, a veranda. Okay. And I seem to think there may have been French doors at that space, there you dividing go. the living room and that sunroom. Yeah. But in 1952, as I read the history of the house, that was remodeled and those windows were added and we um, enhanced the space. It was a step down. So we took the wood floor all the way straight across to marry the space with the living room, which I thought was important, and have an extension of a living room and still be its own space as a sunroom. Yeah, just beautifully done. Um, and and I, again, what I think is really, really cool is how everything fits together, even to the point where the, the beams come through the wall. What, do you, what would you call how how the ceiling is now cathedral vaulted what would you call they it they probably would call it 
possibly a vaulted ceiling yeah. with the exposed beams yeah. and the beams itself do carry out to the sunroom and you can see that it was an exterior space yeah but i loved the beams and i love the tongue and groove and i finished it all to match lightening it up just choosing colors that blended with each other and that were light and blending all those just those all neutral tones together with neutrals too you can add color at any time if you want to change your look but just making it a light bright space emphasizing the exterior and your choice in color palette which is really amazing because it all ties into the furniture as well and where did the furniture come from and I, I love what you did you tied the dark and the light and everything seems to just go together seamlessly. And just the dark and the light together and all those middle tones that just blend. And a lot of the furniture is things that I find over time. I shop at different locations, shop at different vendors, combine a little modern with a little vintage, combine some French, combine some Asian, combine some polished nickel like the bar cart, and just making all those, you know, all those elements come together. I, I don't think a house should be just one element. I think it needs a combination of interesting elements that add to the cohesiveness of the house. One of the things that you do that I really, really love is, and it's it's not a it's not a secret, and I think this is why I love it so much the way that you do it, is to take rooms with very neutral color palettes and then find your spot where you just want to add that flash and that pop of color. Um, in this case, it happens to be the roses, and the roses tie against the glass art. The Murano glass pieces, yes. Yes, yes I, I accent with the Murano glass pieces or maybe some books or some artwork that bring in just some tone and some color, and you can pop that color at any time. And that's what makes it special to have a neutral palette. And still the neutral palette seems alive with the sense of contrast that you bring to it, contrast and texture. Yeah, well, everything here is remarkably tied together. Questions for you about the business. Yes. I always like to to sort of survey designers as, as I go, because I think it's really interesting. And what it also does is it also, there you know, there's a, there's a big difference between trend and trendy. Yes. And trendy's not good, but trend, I love to know what's trending. I love to see what's happening because, it, you know, what we talk about in, you know, third quarter of 2018 is what you're going to see in second quarter, third quarter of 2019. That's correct. It just is. That's just correct. What are you seeing? I'm seeing lighter walls, lighter colors, but with a splash of dark or a splash of color, which you can move in and out of lightness. If our, if our palettes are light in all the backgrounds, it's easy to pop color in and out of that. And it's also okay in, one, in your house to have one dark room. I mean, I think that's really cool to have one dark space that's either a dark blue or a dark green, because that's what makes it pop. But I do see lightness abound. I think we all just want light and calm and that feeling of freshness. I think that's what's gonna be with us for a long time. How many projects do you think you work on on a on an annual basis uh we work on at least 20 projects at one time how big is your firm uh we have a total of five people okay okay yeah. and these are these are full full project 
full projects. A, a lot of them are, are ground up, some are not. Okay. Yeah, the majority would be ground up all the way through um, furniture, fabrics to the last accessory. Some are not. Some are projects of redo of a client that's called us back over years. Uh, their house is ready to be redone, so they call us back, which is great. Or we, their children have bought a new house, and they call us. So it's, it's establishing relationships that we have for a long time, and I think that's what's important about our business or any interior designer that's successful. Um, with regard to what, what clients are being asked to pay these days, um, or what, not what they're being asked to pay, but what they are paying on a remodel or a rebuild or a refurbishment, um, what are you seeing from a cost standpoint? As far as construction costs? No, sorry, as far as a, uh, for, for total design on, on total home projects. On a, sorry, on a per room basis. Per room basis as far as furniture and fabrics or? Ev everything. Everything from backgrounds. I, get, I think it depends on one, the scope of the room, the size of the room. The choice of fabrics, there's fabrics anywhere from $25 a yard to $200 a yard. Totally. Yes. Uh, are, are you seeing, I guess what we've been looking for is averages, sort of what the averages are on a, on a per room basis. On a per room basis. Yeah. Not, not mm. including, sorry, <clears throat> not including the kitchen. Yes, kitchens are one, one of their own costs. <laughs> uh, I think it, um, you can spend anywhere. Now, it depends, again, on whether you're using low-end, medium, or high-end. So if we're establishing maybe a medium, so anywhere, a room can be anywhere from 25000 to 50000 depending on where you want to establish um, yourself. And that's up to the client to tell us where their budget is, too, because I will work within a budget that works and I can tell them this is workable or it's not workable. Yeah. And I, I think that that's probably the, what, what we have found in the course of, you know, years of doing this is on average right now, a, a general remodel project, not including the kitchen is, is about, you know, 90 to $110,000. Yes. And then once you, the kitchens, we're seeing an average right around of about 150. Is that, that's is that, correct. is that, that's about saying? right. Yes. Yeah. Kitchens are really your biggest cost. That and buying dining room furniture because you need a table and 10 chairs. <laughs> exactly. Are you seeing anything different um, in insofar as use of rooms? And uh, let me back up a second. So downstairs, you have a secondary bedroom or a you know an extra bedroom. Correct, that's, yes. That's an office. And you, you also have a, a, medium, a media slash family room that's in a wonderful spot downstairs off by itself where you made sure to have, you know, suitable lighting, noise abatement, very important. Um, but you also have the formal-ish living room, the formal living room. You have the, um, the, the dining room, which a lot of people are starting to forego for bigger workspaces. You have the luxury with all the space you have. Are you starting to see anything change? I have seen the change of combining the... A large room with the kitchen, which you can call it anything from a great room or just combining family room, kitchen, living room, whatever. But they still have separate dining rooms at times. And also I've seen an increase of outdoor living spaces that we're opening up our family rooms or opening up particular rooms, pulling the windows all the way back so that the space is totally exposed. And I we have done more exterior spaces ever this year 
with out, indoor outdoor fabrics, which is hugely important in the industry that the how they've refined and how the indoor outdoor fabrics have come such a long way that they are amazing outside. And we're, we're completing more and more of those exterior spaces to live in and out of the home, which is just a wonderful feeling in California here too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank this, you. This was wonderful. I enjoyed the tour. I love speaking with you. You did a wonderful job. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, it is. And you get to live here. <laughs> and I get to live here, which is even better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you again. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. Or online at Vendome.com. <laughs>